0: Welcome to Let's Break Good, the podcast where good is just not good enough. I'm your host, Joe Agoda, and after over a year hiatus, we are back with a new season of episodes. In season three, we will be exploring NFTs and philanthropy. How is blockchain technology, Web3 communities, and non-fungible tokens becoming a new force in the world of charity? How are NFT artists, collectors, and influencers emerging as a new class of philanthropists? what makes for a successful nft project and how can you avoid a situation where doing good goes bad all of our episodes for season three including this one will be recorded live on twitter spaces and at the end of each episode there will be time for open mic q a with any web 3 project or nonprofit is working to generate real world impact through the creation donation and sale of nfts please join us by following let's break good on twitter and listen in live you can jump on, ask questions, share your project, and be part of the conversation. In this first episode of Season 3, we reflected how I began my exploration into NFT philanthropy last year, and what I learned raising $130,000 through NFT charity auctions to benefit frontline healthcare heroes. Also, we meet our new show co-host, Topshot Tandy, and hear from three different charity NFT projects on the challenges and in pioneering into this new space. So let's dig into it. Let's get started. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Tandy. Um, and who was that music by? Who do we shout out for making that amazing uh, that uh, theme song for us? That would be Rock and or Roll on Twitter. Right, rock and or Roll. Again, I'm Joe here with the co-host Tandy. Recorded spaces for our Season 3 podcast, Let's Break Good. Um, and this season, we want to focus on NFTs and philanthropy. Uh, there will be kind of a thread we weave throughout the whole um, series of spaces and podcasts that we're going to do, which is about how our team at Center raised $130,000 in funds for frontline healthcare heroes through NFTs. And we did that with some amazing folks from the NFT community. We'll be talking to them along the way. They are artists, they're influencers, they're collectors. Um, and so we'll be talking a little bit about how that social impact side works, but we'll also be looking at it from the NFT side. And on the NFT side, we're going to be trying to create some alpha for the NFT community about how to work with charities and also what it takes to go from what we call rug to riches. That's our theme. Uh, So Tandy, maybe talk a little bit of, since I represent kind of the nonprofit side, leaning towards the NFT side, and you are the NFT side, leaning towards the nonprofit side, um, what do you think is going to be in here for some of the nft community members
1: well ever since i started in the nft space i saw that a lot of the communities they really liked having a an aspect to the roadmap which included donations Um, so it seemed that a very common feature in a in a roadmap for a new project was a donation and people seem to rally around this idea and some nft projects have monthly donations that they come together almost like a DAO or a council and decide where to donate money every month and things like that and and i think that we're seeing that happen more and more and i actually just recorded a podcast uh with dr jeremy of nft he was talking about um the nft nyc speaker panel and he was saying that a grand majority of the speakers were people who were, were relating NFTs to philanthropy. So I thought that was really interesting. That was that was some alpha that I didn't hear until today. Um, so it obviously is something that is growing quite rapidly, this connection between NFTs, crypto, and the good that they can do.
0: Hmm. And so I guess our hope is with the series of interviews that we're going to do, the spaces, and then releasing the podcast, we want to share that knowledge of the experience of becoming a philanthropist from the NFC T side. Um, And so I'm looking forward to kind of reminiscing about our rug to riches story, Tandy of how we brought Sustento from uh, moments when we didn't know how much money we were going to raise because there were all these, you know, really hard moments when our plans went awry and yet we ended up raising $130,000. And that's like our richest story that we're going to get into. So I'm really, really excited to kind of look at that. Uh, But, you know, before going forward, I want to look back a little bit about what has happened since our last episode of let's Break good, which was almost two years ago. Um, and we, uh, you know, I was running this podcast. Tandy was helping me produce it. And we were just trying to tell stories of extraordinary social impact, interviewing people, also telling some stories of, uh, doing good gone bad of people that maybe spent millions of dollars trying to do good and yet couldn't make it. And so, uh, We had one episode about the pandemic, which was about PPE being flown around the United States by amateur pilots. Uh, But since then, you know, that episode, so much has happened on on my side. Uh, Sustenta was launched in 2020, uh, and we went from a $500,000 nonprofit in year one to a $7 million nonprofit this year, leading the fight against COVID. I think there'll be stories from that view to tell. Uh, but we're still in that fight, and I think it's hard. Uh, I know no one wants to hear about COVID right now. So we are not going to touch on that, because really what I hope this uh, show to be is about sprinkling good vibes uh, and positivity. Because, uh, Teddy, would you say, I think that's a big part of what charities and nonprofits can add to the NFT world is this like positive vibe, sprinkling, social impact flexing. Uh, you know, what, what do you have to say about that one?
1: absolutely um, that is something that communities online communities seem to really gravitate to is being with other like-minded folks that can all lift each other up in a way and that's why you hear things like vibes and even to extreme cases where nft projects will say we don't have a roadmap, we just operate on good vibes and so yes th- that's a big part of it and wherever that started, maybe it started because this whole thing sprouted out from a pandemic when people were all by themselves on their computers. And, and now people feel good to be around other people that like similar things that they do.
0: Mm -hmm. And then I guess the next question I want to get into is how uh, we decided as a nonprofit, as a charity to get um, going with NFTs uh, and why did we do it? What was our motivation? Uh, So, as I kind of mentioned earlier, Sustento, the the charity that we began uh, in late 2019, but then really got going, got our 501c3, which is a, a nonprofit status. that means you can accept uh, donations that are tax, exe- and are tax exempt. So we were in our first year, and literally it was just me and Tandy and about one or two other people. And uh, our mission is to help frontline healthcare workers save lives. We were going to be focused on the opioid overdose crisis. And then the pandemic hits, and we get right to work. We start growing this amazing team. We start building our network. We start building an impact. We identify a group uh, of called Free and Charitable Clinics on the front line of the pandemic that are underfunded, that really need our support and resources. And because we're small and we're a startup, we have this first movers advantage. So immediately we get to work and we get some initial funding because we started our COVID work right in February. Where I think some larger organizations took a while to get into it. However, Once the pandemic is a few months in, you get towards the summer. Well, now everyone is entering the arena to do COVID work. And so Sustento, a new nonprofit, I don't even know if we had a logo yet, uh, we start getting drowned out. So by the middle end of 2020, uh, there's a lot more competition for funding. There's a large amount of donor fatigue as we go into 2021. And yet the demand from the frontline healthcare workers that we're trying to serve is getting larger, so the need for resources to support the frontline health workers in the communities uh, that they work in, and we serve, uh, you know, primarily families living below the poverty line, racial and ethnic and minority communities, those rural communities. Uh, so the funding, which was not as free flowing, starts to pause. We have to think about, okay, well, we need to keep growing our COVID work, but where are we going to get this funding from? And since uh, necessity is the mother of innovation we need to look for new places to get that funding from and there's a lot of competition for it and if necessity though is the mother of innovation then i think tandy would be the father of our nft innovation because he had already started to gauge in the nft space and he brought it to our attention and he's you can see he's got his cool cat uh, PFP here, and he's on our team. He's our uh, communications and marketing officer, and he starts bringing it to my attention. And maybe, Teddy, you could tell why did you bring it to our attention? What was it that you were like? Okay, there's something here that you know you thought is worth um, pursuing and looking into.
1: Well, one of the first things that happened was um, I was really intrigued by this platform, NBA Top Shot, which is collecting. Kind of like the digital version of NBA trading cards like I used to do as a kid. And the experience was amazing. And I saw how many people were also getting really excited about this. And I remember telling you about it pretty early. And um, I even got you to start collecting as well and I, with a disclaimer that once you started, you, were, you wouldn't be able to stop. Um, but what was interesting and how it applied to the nonprofit side was once I saw that they were running a campaign – Called shots for shots, where people were going to be donating their NBA Top Shot moments, and in return, the, those funds would be used to support uh, vaccinations in different vaccination clinics in the United States. And it was uh, incredible to see that just that synergy and that uh, serendipity, because there I was, that I just joining NBA Top Shot and enjoying it for other reasons, and all of a sudden, it completely married what I was busy doing during my day job with trying to increase vaccinations and kind of COVID awareness and things like that. So that was when something really clicked. And that's when I talked to you and I said, we have to pursue this. And then that only got stronger once I saw other NFT projects that were also, like I said, that also had a uh, charitable aspect in their roadmaps. And it just showed me that these communities were getting together. And although – nft communities they love the vibes they love to kind of try and get rich off whatever they're they're pumping the flavor of the day or their community or their profile pictures or things like that but there's another aspect to all that which is also to give back and to help and I felt that I was literally standing at the middle of both sides of the nft interest and on the other side of the nonprofit day to-day so that's why I told it to you that's why it made perfect sense and that's why we started looking a lot deeper into what we what could be done.
0: Yeah, so it was like this perfect storm of that we desperately needed funding. Traditional funding is drying up. And the exact thing, I remember when you brought me that Shots for Shots um, campaign that they raised like $100,000. And what particularly was like, this is meant to be, I remember, is like that was exactly what our frontline health workers were asking for funding from us for. They're so like, hey, can you help us run these COVID events in our communities? Like we really need to get... Um, things out to those that we can't normally reach. We need to run community events. And here's Shots for Shots raising $100,000 for that exact thing. And so, you know, I was not sure of this new space. You know, any new space has risk. But it was like, well, we need this funding. We have to figure out any way we can get help to these frontline health workers. And then your kind of understanding of the space, ability to show that the money could be real, I think is what motivated motivated me. And, you know, at Sistento, I think we, we look at the world in a different way already. We're all remote. We were all remote to begin with. We don't fit in with the traditional norms of what a charity is. And so we're less than a year old. The pandemic is raging. We don't have enough funding. The traditional funding is drying up. And Tandy brings me the idea of, hey, look what NBA Top Shot just did. They just raised $100,000 for the exact thing that we're trying to do. And I think I was like, all right, Tandy, you know what? This is worth some of our time. Let's, let's look into it. And I could have never known the ups and downs of the roller coaster ride. Because, you know, I own a few top shot NFTs, but I've never bought any NFT beyond that. Um, and yet still through this whole process of raising the $130,000 through NFT charity auctions, I felt like I got an understanding of that volatility and that ups and downs uh, that can come from, from running this kind of event um, and so were you surprised uh, Tandy at our success when we started getting going with it or you know or how what was your feelings as we started through that journey
1: to get to the, the fundraising part? I was surprised I mean we, we had some major wins kind of relatively quickly I mean we obviously put in a ton of hours but when you look back on it the timeline and the the people that bought in and the people that responded to DMs and that, that was pretty big in hindsight so I was surprised and it gave me good feedback in terms of people are willing to communicate with you and they're willing to talk to you when the messaging aligns and when the right um, – when you're trying to raise funds for the right kind of causes, people will will respond to you, especially in the NFT space. And I think that's what's so special is how active and community-focused the NFT space is.
0: Hmm. And so, you know, I think as we started to enter the space, and I started to learn more. I kind of started to understand why NFTs and charity would fit together and why it could be a popular fundraising tool. What was the hype? Why was there hype around it? And there were two initial things that I saw folks doing from the NFT world that made me optimistic that we could raise the money. First was that I saw people starting to, to flex, you know, their projects, their NFTs, for that kind of social good part of their roadmap, which kind of made me see them as potentially a new generation of philanthropists, a new generation of donors coming from the NFT world because they wanted to flex their donations. And that's not something you kind of normally see in the traditional space. Like maybe like Bill Gates calls the foundation after himself and he's flexing all the money he's giving. But like usually the $100 or the $1,000 donors are not flexing about, their donation. And yet I saw members of these NFT projects talking about the social uh, parts that of, you know, their projects actually joined a few spaces with them to talk about what it was like being the charity as they were trying to figure out how to give back to their community. Um, And so that was what kind of got me excited was that they actually wanted to have real conversation about NFTs and how they could create social impact. Uh, And obviously from the charity side, we started to see some numbers coming out that were quite mind-blowing. There were a number of NFT projects that were minting and auctioning off a single piece for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And of course, just the general larger numbers um, you know, of sales of NFTs, I think started bringing more and more people into the space. But again, I kind of started testing this notion of could the NFT collectors, the blue chip projects, and the artists be a new class philanthropists. And I've really been blown away from what those conversations have have created because there's a lot more than just the money when you start getting underneath it. There's the technology, there's the community, uh, and there's the ability for these folks that do have these gains. And I maybe Tandy, you can explain that in a minute about how it gives these people the ability to be the philanthropist. But this is a new generation of philanthropists that were holding the NFTs that were willing to converse with charity in a real way. Um, and Tandy, maybe you could talk a little bit more about, about those conversations and you know why you think there, there was so much excitement early on and what we could possibly do and why these folks with NFTs were able even to be philanthropists.
1: So... In this case, in our in the auction or the, the NFT auction that we ran, we had a lot of success engaging with projects. And it was something where if a project agreed to be part of this, they would benefit in multiple ways, where they would benefit by being part of this larger campaign. They would get some cred, they'd get some clout. Um, anytime we shared any information, all these projects would just run to retweet to engage the communities just loved it. So in this, in this sense, and also I see that there are a couple of uh, looks like a couple of nonprofits in the chat right now or in the spaces we have child fund, New Zealand, um, and we have friends of the Bonobos. And, and by the way, if anyone in in the spaces has questions, just hold on. We can take some questions soon, but to answer your question, um, especially when dealing with projects, not not as much individuals. At least through my through our experience thus far, um, the projects were the ones that really loved to be part of this because it was just there was winning on all sides. Uh, they were able to help to donate to a, a worthy cause. They were able to donate to a non- nonprofit period, which is good for their project and good for their community and. Yeah, it it was just like a win-win on all sides. So um, I hope that answers your question in terms of like what kind of positive reaction we saw from the space.
0: And for me, what was interesting was to try to like look at the difference between traditional fundraising versus how we had to throw fundraising out the window about how we engaged with our traditional donors versus these new, um, you know, folks that had gains from their NFTs or from their crypto. Uh, and I think one of the main differences is that when you are cash rich, it's easy to see yourself as a philanthropist, right? When you're old money, you've got a lot of money, and it's got to sit in your bank account. I think it's easy to see yourself as a donor or philanthropist. And yet when you're wealthy in crypto or you have NFTs that have gone to the moon, it's not so simple to take them off chain. And there's a lot of limitations to what you can spend that crypto on or even turn that nft into a donation um, i like to say like there's no nft that can help us buy ppe for the health workers so i think there was like this learning curve that was really interesting to be a part of to help those that ha- did have the means now the ability to understand how they could actually turn their their artistry because we did have some artists as well that commissioned pieces and raised t- thousands and thousands of dollars uh, but I think you're right as well. Uh, the projects were really excited to engage their community in a new way. And so these were brand new communities set up around NFTs. And it looked like they were just excited to engage uh, with us, the charity, and think about how their project, uh, their sense of camaraderie could, as holders of a certain NFT, could actually make a difference in the world. And I think that young people or younger you know generation are just untapped group in general when it comes to donations Um, and now this is where they are and it's really I think a seismic shift because their priorities are different their values are different the things they want to give to are different Uh, so that was one thing that I thought was interesting the differences but there were also some really fundamental similarities to them which is you have to meet them where they are and you have to educate them on your cause but lastly giving is always an emotional appeal. So I think a lot of the projects were interested to talk to tech, the blockchain, how we would stay on chain, how we were going to do different things, engage with it. At the end of the day, it was very much an emotional appeal uh, to, to why they were going to give. Uh, and I remember how some you know, alpha for everyone is like, so how did we get all these projects to actually give us? You know, We had one uh, PFP that went for $58,000, one that went for $38,000. Uh, Tandy, do you want to talk a little bit through
1: how you got some of these people to actually give to us? Sure. Um, Well, a big part of it, too, I think, is that once you start getting the momentum on your side, obviously it gets a lot easier. Um, And also, I actually just want to amend what I said before because uh, we did engage with certain artists, too. They were part of the Twitter 140, which was – they're somehow connected to that Twitter 140 group which was originally what this auction was based on. It was based on uh, an auction that was going to have the full set of Twitter NFTs. um, And that was in collaboration with Sotheby's. And uh, that was, that created a lot of interest, honestly. Um, So that was a big reason why these different projects and different artists were really excited because we already had a lot of wind at our sails. Let's say we already had a lot of momentum. Um, so that to me is a is a massive reason why individuals or projects or whomever wants to get involved they want to get involved once you already have some momentum going so the hardest part is probably just getting that initial momentum but in this case we were able to get that and after that it wasn't very difficult to get people to start talking because once you already have that momentum going it sort of can multiply on top of itself
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember we got, um, and the, it was, what was interesting is that the Twitter 140 didn't even end up getting worked out. That was uh, Sustento's rugging during our giving season was we were thinking we were going to have these high-priced Twitter NFTs that we were going to make the bulk of our funding, and yet that ended up falling apart. But it was blue chip projects and the artists that stepped up and made sure that we raised funds during Um, you know, that that time period. And since we have a few of the nonprofits on here, maybe I'll just talk for a minute about if you're thinking or you're trying to actively engage in the NFT space, what would be the first thing I would do? So if you're in here and you're at a nonprofit, you're like, I want to engage with NFTs. um, The first thing I would do is to talk to your chief operating officer, uh, your finance team or your admin team. So you can start by doing a little risk assessment, which is very important because these are, volatile assets. And um, if you try to, uh, Tandy and I actually talked to one of the largest uh, nonprofits in the world, I think, and they had talked about how they were gonna have this amazing artist project with uh, all these well-known artists and then their operations and their administrative team shut it down because it was too risky and they hadn't gone through the risk assessment. So I think the first thing is to do that with your team and decide First of all, whether you want to take in NFTs or you want to mint your own NFTs or not. Uh, It is a personal choice, but depending on what country you're in, it gets complicated how the IRS views those assets, how to evaluate them. There was a lot of unknowns. Uh, So the first thing to talk to your team about is, hey, we're interested in engaging with NFTs. Do we want to take the NFTs? Do we want to create our own NFTs? Or you could even do what we did, which was we found a workaround. Uh, which is some other alpha for all the nonprofits um, who are here listening in was we actually worked with the project and the artist. They ran the auction after they sold the piece, they donated the crypto to Sustento through a group called the giving block. Uh, The giving block is a third party processor of donations. There's now a number of them out out there that take in uh, crypto. They turned it into fiat for the nonprofit. And so from our side, how we were able to do it because we did that risk assessment. And our COO worked with us. We were able to have a way where we identified NFTs that were willing to be donated. We helped the individuals run their own auction. When they completed the auction and they sold the piece, they then sent the funding that they were paid for that piece to Sustento, and so uh, through the Giving Block. And so the Sustento, our nonprofit, never touched an NFT and we never touched a cryptocurrency because we needed to do that even though we're super forward-looking because we're a small team and the administrative and accounting burden would have been really, really high. Um, So that's the first thing I would do is to talk to your COO, your finance, your administrative team about how you would want to engage with NFTs. Um, You also want to talk to them about the risks associated with working with an artist or project, get that out front. There's a lot of anonymity in the space. So you can't always know where the funds are coming from, but there are ways that you can vet out and you can you know, build um, confidence in your administrative team. Um, so again, if you're going to your finance and your administrative team and you're like, hey, we want to work with NFTs uh, and you want to be upfront about the risks. So again, there's a way for you to be able to you know, fundraise with the NFTs without actually having to hold them in your wallets. Um, and as well, you can vet out who the artists are. That's really important. Uh, and saving the administrative headache from your leadership will go a long way for, to probably getting that okay to even explore um, that NFT space. Um, and so maybe, Tandy, is there anything you want to add there? Because you know, I was kind of like the, the one that was engaging with our administrative, our COO, our finance kind of person, uh, and there was a lot of stuff we couldn't do. So I'm wondering how did that feel for you on the kind of NFT side, talking to the NFT artists? Because I know there was even a certain big NFT project that turned us down, and we had to. It was hard, but it was probably a good move. We we kind of did not accept the NFT.
1: Yeah, I mean, coming from purely the person talking to the project side, I was obviously irritated <laughs> because we got a really uh, well-known NFT project, which currently has a pretty high floor. Not that I don't know how much that matters now, but I was really excited that they said yes. Um, and they were super eager to just send us the nft right away as soon as they said they do it they're like yeah sure tell me the wallet address send it over and i told them well that's not exactly how this works um you can't send we can't actually hold the nft as the nonprofit. the way this works is you list it you then send the fiat or no the crypto sorry Mm -hmm. you list it you then send the crypto via the giving block straight to um, the nonprofit, and they told us, "Well, sorry, we we can't do that." And when we emailed them back. We said, "But all these other groups, they can do it. Is there why can't you do it?" And they said, "Well, that's our deal. You either take it or leave it, pretty much." And unfortunately, we had to leave it. And that would that was a pretty sizable donation, a really well known uh, blue chip at this point, a blue chip NFT. So that was that was a little painful, but I think that. If you're doing things the right way, unfortunately, there's there's going to be certain times where you have to say no to some opportunities. If you're running, if you have your 501c3, you have to do things the right way.
0: Yeah. So what we've learned is that most NFT projects are willing to work with you and around these kind of current, you know, things that are not clear with the IRS and why you can't have a, you know, why Sustento does not have our nonprofit has a, does not have a NFT wallet. We don't want people just sending things there because a number of risks of unsold NFTs or the accounting of it. But the projects that did work with us around it, I think we had meaningful conversations with them because oftentimes they would be like, Oh, can you keep the crypto on chain? And we would have to explain to them why at this point in time, like in the future, yes, we would love to hold crypto, But if we want to help pay the salary of a frontline health worker who's doing outreach to homeless populations, like we can't pay them in crypto. Um, If you want to buy a key piece of equipment, we can't do it in crypto at the moment. And so most of the projects were actually quite interested in that. We had conversation about it. Um, You know, we talked about we understood the technology, the benefits of having the blockchain and the transparency, but I think we also reminded them that we as a nonprofit already have a lot of legacy transparency systems on us. So, like all of the salaries of our executives are available online. We have to publish something called 990s to the IRS every year that says how much our executive staff makes, and it's public knowledge. All of our donors above a certain amount are public knowledge. Um, so, kind of having that conversation, education with the NFT projects, the ones that were willing to listen and work with us. They were able to like work around it, and so that was kind of a hardship of losing a blue chip. I think it was worth like close to thirty thousand dollars at the time. Could have been a donation, but what our our you know our, our administrative team said, you know, which was we had talked to a few accounting firms. They said to even try to help you account for that donation, it would cost us to do it with you thirty thousand dollars. So we would have ended up just paying out that donation probably to an accounting firm to help us manage our NFT. And that would have been the whole donation. We know how important it is that every dollar goes to our mission of actually helping the frontline health workers. So I think that's something to be aware of and know that you may lose some opportunities in the short short term. Uh, But if the NFT project is unwilling to work with you around the legacy systems you, the nonprofit, has to work with, I think that that's the right move. And so that was definitely – I know uh, Tandy especially was very pained when we lost out on that donation, but we were still able to raise one hundred thirty thousand dollars through everyone else that was willing, um, you know. And so that was only the one, I think, right, Tandy? That was one out of the about ten, I think, donations we got. The only group that was not willing to work with us in that way.
1: Yeah, that that was the only one that wasn't willing. Um, and of course, when you do things like this, there's also others that we got close to, which would also could have been huge wins that don't that fall through the cracks. You know, that's also obviously part of this. Um, but in terms of just Uh, a project that couldn't play by the 501c3 rules that we were limited to that was the only one
0: yeah so i guess that's where there's one thing that's like traditional fundraising this is a numbers game you have to have a a pipeline of targets some of the targets will work out some of the targets will be interested but they won't make it through due diligence so i think that's something that um we learned so uh, again if you're a nonprofit leader thinking about going into this space the first person i would talk to is your um your Chief operating officer, your financial officer, your administrative um, team, and just explain to them hey, I'm I, there are ways to do this, we can work around it. Um, and it's, a, and I think, the biggest selling point is these are new donors with an ability to give that we can't ignore. Um, and they are really forward thinking donors, and we can't miss this opportunity. So, I think that's that's kind of like the, the selling point here. Um, so Let's just talk. I think last point here. Let see if anyone um, from the would like to to come up and chat about what they're doing. Um, is what's the future? So uh, what's the future here? So we uh, over the next few weeks are going to be talking to some of these new philanthropists, the artists, the projects, uh, the collectors, the influencers that were part of our one hundred thirty thousand dollar fundraising with NFTs. We're going to have. 60-minute in-depth interviews. So if you're a nonprofit and you want to be like, well, who are these people? What do they care about? We're going to be doing these in-depth interviews um, with those individuals. And then we'll have about 60 minutes to do an interview with them. And then we'll do 30 minutes of Q&A with the audience with these kind of donors from the NFT world. Uh, And I really believe that the future between NFTs and philanthropy are based in the shared values that we have Uh, as the irs catches up and there's more clarity i think there's going to be even more things that nonprofits can do with blockchain and web3 technology Um, and i would just keep in mind some of the core values that both nfts and charities share Uh, first that would be transparency since the nfts live on the blockchain they have that inherent openness and accountability and i think the best nonprofits have a level of transparency to know how much money does it take to create their impact they can be very upfront with data about every dollar is able to make this kind of impact in real transparency. Because uh, I worked with the United Nations for four years, and there's ways to say, oh, a dollar a day will do this. I don't really believe that's true transparency. So I think transparency is a, you know, forward-thinking nonprofits and NFT projects share that. Uh, I think the community is huge, uh, nonprofit build their community, both in their people that they serve and the people that support their mission. And NFTs is all community. I think, uh, Tandy, you mentioned that uh, NFTs rose in part because of the pandemic and we were looking for new ways to connect and have, um, you know, build new connections and relationships through digital channels when we couldn't move around. And I think community is something that both NFT projects and charities share. Uh, Utility is another one, uh, which is, you know, I think – Part of what a charity can offer an NFT project is utility, a real-world benefit to the holder. We're looking at new ways to do that. Could holding the NFT, for example, mean that the nonprofit will do a service to your community? If you hold an NFT, uh, does it give you other ability to to you know, visit the project? So I think there's all kinds of utility that is important, both to the nonprofit, obviously, utility of the work that they provide, the impact they make to the community, but utility of what does this NFT mean in your project What utility might you give to the NFT holder? Uh, And then lastly is the generosity. I think there's an authentic spirit of charity giving already in the NFT community. And obviously that's inherent in anything uh, that a a charity does. Uh, Tandy, anything else from the NFT side in terms of like where those shared values are as we look to the future that we can build on?
1: I think you did a good job covering it, honestly. Um, But I do think that to me, the things that, that are strongest for me as someone who was outside of the nonprofit space for longer than you were is like I think that you always want to want to know about the transparency of the organization. And another thing that kind of aligns with with NFTs and the projects are the roadmap. And I feel like in the same way that you want to better understand what a nonprofit is up to and what are they actually doing Another part is like, what is the roadmap of, of a nonprofit that you're interested in? Like have we ever thought about that? Usually we don't. Usually it just mm. a nonprofit, let's say, gives food to the unhoused or something like that, and then that's it. But I think that there's uh, opportunities for creating more dynamic um, funder and and nonprofit relationships when you start to insert this idea of having a roadmap that people can keep up-to-date on and give feedback on and just feel more involved on. So I don't know. I think that that is something to um, that nonprofits can borrow from the NFT community.
0: I love that that roadmap idea. And I think that ties to the transparency, right, of where are we going? What are we going to do with this? So um, maybe a Sustento roadmap, uh, Tandy, is something we have to work on. That's a, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, let's do it. All right. And so if you're a nonprofit here, and I know James is here, maybe you can speak to how he's done this in a moment. Uh, but if you're a nonprofit listening to this podcast, uh, and you're like, well, I want to get started, but I'm not even ready to bring it to my team yet. How can I get started? Do I have to go run and buy an NFT? And the answer is no, uh, you don't have to. I think that the first important step on my point of view is that you need to start authentically engaging in the space. What authentically engaging in the space means is, number one, getting a beginning understanding of the technology, be able to know what blockchain is, what it means when they say Web3, reading some blog posts, listening to some podcasts, um, and then start you know asking questions, getting into conversation. The one thing that I found that people from the NFT world are willing to do is talk about NFTs all day long. And so I remember early in my journey, I would jump on spaces, I would ask questions, I would ask for calls, I would talk to people, not asking for anything, but just wanting to understand more about the space. So I think the first step is authentically engaging because what we've seen over the last few months is that even a celebrity who tries to come into the space will not be successful if they don't do it authentically. Um, We've seen again and again, Tandy and I talk about a celebrity pops up and goes, Hey, what NFT should I buy? Send me your suggestions. You know, they buy an Ape or they buy an uh, NFT. They put it up as their profile picture. And then lo and behold, a few weeks later, they have, are launching their own project and it doesn't really go anywhere. So I think the beginning step is to really authentically engage in the space, have conversations and talk about it. And so with that, to ask, if you want to add anything else, then we can invite everyone who's here. Um, we got James and friends of the Bonobos and ChildFund, maybe if they want to come up and uh, ask any questions or talk about their experiences, be welcome to do that.
1: Yeah, um, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It, it's really, it's, you can get involved in NFT projects without actually going and buying NFTs. Um, that's not a necessary thing to do. It, it probably is necessary, though, to keep track of these things on Twitter, maybe join a Discord or two, just get a lay of the land and understand how these communities are built and how these communities like to communicate. Um, That's what I would say. And I see that in the chat, I guess I'll invite the two of you, if you want to speak up, which is the Child Fund New Zealand and the Friends of Bonobo. So if either of you want to come up and ask a question or two or just let us know what you're up to, um, go ahead and, and accept that request to speak. If not, then... We will look forward to to the next one.
0: Yeah. uh, James, are you here? Are you willing to talk a little bit about what your organization's been doing um, and how, you know, any lessons you've learned along the way? Because I know you're also early in the space as a nonprofit.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of what you said resonated. I love the idea of the roadmap. And I'll come back to that in a second. And I also totally agree with you around finding those shared values. And I like how you laid it out with focusing on transparency and community and utility and generosity. Um, For us, you know, we're for those that don't know, Kaboom is a U.S.-based national nonprofit organization. We build playgrounds all over the country in communities that have experienced significant disinvestment and our roadmap is about eliminating play space inequity, and we have a five year vision to eliminate play space inequity in 25 places. Um, and so the roadmap really becomes then the rallying cry. So, you know, yes, people could say, I want to help build a playground, but if they could see that they could actually eliminate inequity in kids' access to opportunities to play with their generosity, it feels like taking it to another level. So I really appreciate how you framed that uh, in terms of the alignment around roadmaps with NFT projects. I actually have a, a question for you, and it stems from the fact that Like you, we are an organization that partners with government and also receives funding from government. And I know you have received a significant grant recently um, from government. And one of the things that I've noticed in interacting in the Web3 space is that there are definitely different opinions about the role of government. And I'm wondering if you've seen any tension or gotten any feedback about your role as a nonprofit organization partnering with government from those, of, uh, those in the Web3 space who'd like to support the mission of your organization?
0: Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of kind of more even pushback, just an idea of being centralized and taking, you know, crypto funds off chain has given us like a huge pushback, right? And I think it's important to have like that authentic conversation with them And to remind them of the legacy systems that we have to operate in, uh, that we have to do everything that we are mandated because we don't have shareholders. We have a board of directors and it's up to that board to have us fulfill our mission. And so we have to do what's best to help fulfill our mission. And so I start there. I tell them about some of the, because I think at the heart of it sort of seems to be that their worry and their ask that we're going to be, accountable and transparent with the the funding that they're giving us. And so I kind of start there with those values, talking about the legacy systems we have to work in, the things that hold us back, um, but then talk about how we do wanna go on a journey to figure out how I can use the blockchain to better show my impact and where my money's going. So with the $7 million we've just recently got from the federal government, $5 million of that actually is going out to frontline um, free and charitable clinics to pay for their staff and to help them do better outreach to these disadvantaged communities. And honestly, I would love if there was a blockchain that could show, look, we got this money, but you can see exactly where all this money went, you know, or at least the, the sub grants that we gave out. So I try mm-hmm. to like at least engage them in the conversation, get underneath why they're asking about that, right? Which is you, and you already know which is that they got into crypto and they got into NFTs because they want a decentralized world and it's they want to push back against the authority. So I think getting ahead of their fear and putting it right out front when they bring that up, I always talk about, okay, this is why, I know this is why, this is what you care about, but yet this is the world that we live in, and but we want to work towards what you're saying. But the reality is that we're not there yet. So I kind of just try to create a conversation about it, but put out front this the reason why I believe they're doing it, which is that they want to see the end of centralization. Um, but just reminding them as a nonprofit a charity to save lives. Again, I can't buy PPE for my health workers in crypto yet. One day, if I can, I would do it, but I can't. Um, so those are just kind of the conversation points that I, I bring up. But thanks for the question, James. I know it's something in a lot of the spaces, there's this thing of like, you have to keep the donations on chain. Keep That's a big point of contention i found with some of the uh crypto and nft projects is they really want us to be able to keep it on chain so i don't know james if you have any ideas or any thoughts on how we can stay more on chain uh but that's that's definitely one of the biggest uh you know points of conversation i've had
2: yeah i mean i I think it's really just about getting behind what that really means right so like they want to to keep it on chain for what reason? And if the reason is transparency, then there are many ways to be transparent. Um, and the blockchain certainly helps that. Um, but uh, within the limitations that nonprofits have, there are other ways as well. Um, and so I think it's, like you said, it's really getting a better understanding of where they're coming from and figuring out how best to meet the needs of a community that wants to be supportive of you.
0: Extremes, uh, Kay, do we got some other folks here for questions.
2: Yeah, it looks like
1: uh, Childfund uh, can speak, so go ahead, Childfund.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, my name's Janice, and so just a little bit of our story so far. So we have set up our crypto wallet ourselves. Um, we did talk to the likes of Giving Block, and we decided not to use them because. You know, We could link it to our own um, website, Shopify, and they use Coinbase Commerce. So that's a really good way, I thought, for ourselves to test a lot of that um, wallet receipting. And secondly, was also end of last year, we did launch our own set of NFTs. I think um, one of the speakers or hosts talked about that before. And um, we only launched it within New Zealand, um, which is a very, very small crowd by comparison to, you know, anywhere rest of the world. But um, we did sell about 30-odd NFTs out of 50. Um, and I think it was really good uh, learnings here that you guys talked about earlier before, is that, well, how do we value that NFT afterwards? Because what we did was we just took it off chain after an auction period. And then we just went, okay, um, whatever we sold, we have to... Uh, Go off chain though with the proceeds, it has to uh, convert into Fiat and then we remit it accordingly because, you know, through our own um, compliance A- A- AMLs, we actually can't keep any of that uh, on our books and we have to convert it straight away. So, yeah. But m- one of my questions I actually wanted to ask you guys was we we're thinking about the next launch and we want to go bigger. So we don't just want it to be within New Zealand or Australia. We want to go even, you know, more worldwide. And so I just really want to learn from you guys. How do you guys uh, approach like the blue chip NFTs that you were talking about?
1: So one thing that I would ask though is, it sounds like it sounds like did you sell your own NFTs or did you auction the NFTs of others? That that part. Uh, needs we, we sold here.
3: our very own. We created our own and then we sold it. So then on a, what is
1: – so So why um, – I guess what's the motivation then to – or what do you want to do with the blue chips is my question then.
3: I just I just was thinking how do I actually promote the next lot because that actually needs a lot of um, momentum, right, in terms of uh, how do I actually get it out there? Is it whether it's using – Twitter platforms yeah. or uh, using, you know, or what, like where do we post? I just, because we're, we're still really new into this game. So we just right. don't know how to PR it. Yeah. Right.
0: So I actually think there's a, a fundamental, uh, you know, skill of fundraising you'll have to use, which is interpersonal. Um, and I think you'll need to do some network and relationship building because what I think you should do is identify the, I would, if I were in your situation, and I would look for maybe starting with New Zealand and seeing if there are any big NFT collectors or influencers or projects that have folks that may be actually living other parts in the world or the project may be global, but you really need, I think someone who can connect with you and your initiative and the impact you're going to make to get that traction. I think maybe like eight months ago, it was different because there was so little amount of nonprofits in the space, but I do think it's grown. Um, and so, for example, Tandy and I were talking to a, a larger crypto holder, uh, and their passion was around rhinos, and that's what they wanted to give to. And they were part of Rhino DAO, and they were going to invest a lot into it. And so, I do think that um, as you want to approach projects, and you know, you need to find something that they're going to resonate with, either around your mission, or some kind of affinity probably because you're New Zealand based. And that doesn't mean you have to stay within New Zealand, but I do think that's where I would start um, and ask them for conversation. Hey, we're thinking of doing a project. Would you just, you know, spend a few minutes if we could tell you our idea, if you could give me some feedback on it. Mm. Uh, So I think you don't want, also don't want to approach them with an ask because what I found is that that is very likely not to get a response because people ask them things all day long, especially the bigger the collector and the more followers they have the more random DMS that they get all the time asking for something. So I think you really want to like curate a list of NFT influencers or collectors that would have some affinity either because of where they're from, or you've seen them care about a certain cause and approach them for some advice and talk about your project and get their inputs into it. So that would be my, my suggestion.
4: Hey guys, how's it going? Jay from cool crypto kids. I'm happy to be in the space with you, just uh, chiming in. Yeah, please. Uh, cool Crypto Kids. Yeah, Tandy, what do you got?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Jay, I saw you, you You came at the tail end here, but tell us about what you're working on and if you have any questions.
4: Oh, is this the tail end? Now, what time to start?
1: <laughs> it's all good. It started at around 7.30. Oh, sorry. That's my time. Uh, 3.30 Eastern. Uh, oh,
4: shoot. So it started an hour ago. Yeah, I've yeah, but- literally been back-to-back meetings. Um, no worries, we're no, going to release this a okay. podcast podcast later, so you can hear all the alpha that we dropped earlier in the episode. <laughs> oh no, no, that that'd, that'd be great, that'd be great. Here. No, I love it. No, this is actually a really, really encouraging. Uh, I mean, I I did catch the tail end of it, but um, this is a really encouraging, um, you know, Twitter space because I'm going to be honest with you, like we're we're doing a social impact project with Children's Hospital Los Angeles right now, um, and we're taking the kids' art that that are owned by the hospital or even donated to the hospital, and we're like we made we made them into NFTs. Um, so we're actually using that to raise money for the for the children's hospital uh, during their Make March Matter campaign. And right now, and again, I'm speaking very, very, very candidly here, um, because the, the, the organization we started, we're not a 501c3, because we didn't go that route. We took the route of being a LLC and donating 50% of our books to donate to like these hospitals. Um, so that was a little bit more flexible of a model for us. So that's how we're doing it differently. So we're literally can we put all of our expenses out in public, right? So like 50% goes to like every, any charity we work with. 30% is held in reserves to build the next NFT project because NFTs aren't cheap to build, especially if you want to really scale it. Um, and then 20% is go- goes to the managing team. So what's interesting, and I'm speaking very candidly here, and I love that I'm in like the proper space for it. Our our project had some has some like optics challenges right now, which is really messed up. And it's interesting being in this Web3 space because they're either, like, really the most supportive, right? Or they're the most, like, extremely critical, um, which is interesting. Because there's a lot of projects right now, I mean, given 90% of the market is, like, a cash grab project and they're making a ridiculous amount of money. It is what it is. But I guess when, like, projects like these come up, they, they, they put you more in a kind of under a microscope, really. Um, and given, like, we, we had a few challenges. Again, this is, like, our first NFT project. And we went, you know, big. We're like, let's partner with the children's hospital, <laughs> like let's try that out. Um, so what's interesting that optics challenge is like, are these, are these, um, are these art pieces actually from the hospital? Like you guys say you're aligned with the hospital, but they haven't really publicly posted you yet, even though we're actually a vendor with the Make March Matter campaign. So I actually sent an email to them addressing that, but they're, they're there's like fud currently with our project unfortunately that we again it's like all perception management um and again i know this is going to be on a podcast and i'm speaking very candidly here i'm just like how we've been dealing with the challenges um so yeah i mean given that's where we're at and that's um unfortunate but everyone's just curious of like they're like twisting the the project in a way where it's like oh you're using kids as an example And take advantage of like kids. I'm like, what? No, where are you guys getting this? Like, that's not what's going on here. Um, well, well, yeah, one one thing I say to anyone
0: who any charity or nonprofit that's coming into the space is like, get ready, get ready for volatility that you don't expect. Our kind of theme for the season is rug to riches, even for the charity projects. And so, um, I, I would just say that this is because you're. You know, putting yourself out there, you're pioneering in the space, right? This is part of what we experienced as well. Okay. Um, and we, um, you weren't here earlier, but we were talking candidly about how we were supposed to have a Sotheby's auction. Uh, of the twitter 140 nfts and it got canceled at the last moment and so we were expecting all this funds to come in and then it got canceled at the last moment and there were a lot of angry people around that so i think there's like some of that to be baked in now in terms of your optics challenge um one of the things i would say you probably lessons you've learned because we're the charity side right um and i know a lot of nonprofit leaders is there's a different level of wanting to engage in this stuff um, there's some that are like, okay, if you're gonna just send me money, great, but I'm not doing anything. And then there are definitely nonprofits that are interested to learn more and are willing to engage with you. And to you may need to like suss out or find someone at that organization or at the hospital who's willing to be your advocate on the charity side. Right. Willing to speak out for you. Uh, because I mean I know that because we are the charity side. We're the 51c3, and Tandy, the co-host here, he works as Sistento, but he understands the NFT side. Um, a lot of it, uh, in that FUD that, you know, we, I was on spaces where people said, I won't give it to you if you take it off chain. Like I've heard all of it. You think I'm a charity. People are going to be nice to me, but that's just not the case. Um, right. Tandy, is there anything you want to add on this?
1: Sure. I would add something there, which is, um, a big part of what I think helped us in the early goings when we were doing our outreach was, we had like a one pager that explained the project in simple language, showed who were the stakeholders on all sides. So we had the stakeholders from us. We had the stakeholders on Sotheby's. Um, and I think what this sounds like you're lacking at the moment is just that really quick um, kind of unmistakable uh, transparency, really um, right, transparency right. of who your stakeholders are. Um, because without that, there have been rug, po- not rug pulls, but there have been near rug pulls. There have been projects that say it's a six-year-old, and then the project goes crazy, and then all of a sudden it comes out that the six-year-old is working with his father, and then the project completely dumps. And like people have seen it all at this point, so it's natural, I think, to have people question that. And I think the only way to get around this, because in our case when we are working with the Sothebys, it's very easy to click a link. See who works at Sotheby's. Realize that that's who we say they are, and that they're working with us. In your right. case, it's a, it's a cloudier issue because now it's like, okay, you work for the ho- you work with the hospital. Prove it. Oh well, here's a video of kids drawing. Well, how do I know those kids are the kids at your hospital? Like yeah, prove exactly, it.
4: exactly. Yeah. So, and, so, and on so, that yeah. on that note, right? So it's interesting. Like it got cl- it got like. I mean, given like it, what's interesting about the project too, it's like it's extremely polarizing in this sense where it's like people like, oh my God, that's a brilliant idea. You guys are doing great work. Like it, th- I think this project has a lot, has really, really strong legs. And then you have the other end of it where like, no, yeah, we don't trust you. I think this is all BS and you're taking advantage. So it's like there's no middle ground, <laughs> right? On how, how people view the project. I mean, it is what it is. So when we, it, it's been a nine, guys, I'm telling you, it has been a 96 hour like stress situation where i am like i need to manage this right now (laughs) like guys i literally is one of those moments too because like because it it started off as a rumor right and i'm thinking in my head i'm like what the hell did i do wrong because like i'm like thinking in my head in the team well mainly me it's like we literally started this project like with the like most pure intention of like raising money and and taking care of low-income families that that don't have insurance for cancer care right and the reason why I, sh- I feel so strongly about this is because my mom passed away from cancer in 2017, and her medical bills exceeded $800,000. So I have like really, really like I have a, I have a stake in this fight, and it's just like really frustrating to me. And again, like I'm not trying to get like really impassioned and make stupid mistakes, you know? Like I'm trying to be smart. Um, and again this is the space we're in right now we're operating so to be smart about it but the last 96 hours like I was literally like like really tight stomach and my stomach was turning type situation and like how do I address this in a smart way Um, I think I think I think so again
1: um, I think it all comes back down to that issue of just transparency and and also telling your story in in an honest way and you obviously have like a heartbreaking story, which led you to take action. And I think people can empathize with that, um, mm-hmm. you know, taking a tragedy and, and trying to create from that. So I, I think that your challenge right now is really kind of lies in the storytelling aspect and like the, the wordsmithing of it all. And, and, right. and, and it, so transparency well, you, Tandy, and story. I
0: would have one thing here. I would Go also ahead. say that trolls are going to be part of the equation. And if you engage with a troll or someone who's just looking to you know talk and get a rise out of you, um, that's what they want. So you right. also have to bake in that there's going to be people that don't understand what you're doing and are going to, especially in the NFT world where there's a lot of anonymity. So you do have to be kind of, some of the things that I tell, when I've talked to a lot of nonprofits, like, should I get into this? I'm like, do you have the stomach for an up and down like you're about to get a lot of money and then you get nothing and then you get something and then you get nothing. Like if you're not ready for that volatility, it's not for you. Right, like, so right. That is, no, even, absolutely. And you, you almost would think, oh, I'm a charity. Like they should be kind to me. But the answer is that they're not. That, that it's not, does not work that way at all. No, yeah. And and, and, you know?
2: and I've learned
4: that. I've learned that in this space too because like, I mean, I did my, my some of my research like between like, you know, donating crypto as opposed to donating in NFT where it's like donating crypto, like you get... Pretty good tax benefits for that. Like it's uh, they're, they're actually on, there's a lot of upside uh, upside to da- donating crypto. Um, but in this sense, in the crypto community, they're not donating. They're buying something that they could potentially resell later because, well, they're collectors and they're trying to fl- buy and flip um, again, like they're, they're, they're art people or quote unquote art collector people. Not and not not in the truest sense of the world. we're gonna be honest. like <laughs> not in the truest sense of art collectors because we think of art collectors. I'm thinking like museum museum collector types. but um, and, but here's the world we live in. No, I appreciate that guys like that 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 feedback is very, 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 very helpful. Um, and we actually over the over the weekend, uh, me me and my team, we like sat down for like six to eight hours like really sorting it out. And then we actually did update the website with that with those optics. We're like, Here's, here's our here's our version of a white paper. We just put it on the about section of our site. We're like, this is where the money's going. Here, here Here's where the project is supposed to be heading. Um, here's the reason why we're not giving 100% of the donations because uh, we're going to try to keep a sustainable model where we all, we can always expense NFT collection development in the next one so we could keep raising in a very sustainable way with every other child-led organization or every children's hospital we end up working with. Um, but also a s- sustainable model where the team actually can like do it do it and get paid for their part-time work to keep you know scaling um so all to say um no i really do appreciate again i think this is like a reassuring and comforting uh kind of twitter space because it's it's one thing talking to web three people but it's one it's another thing talking <laughs> about web three people who are doing charity stuff so
0: <laughs> Yeah. And,
4: and yeah. What, what I would say, what you're saying is
0: totally normal, even in the traditional fundraising space. When we go in, we have to explain to a funder why we need overhead, it's called. It's like overhead's a dirty word. It, um, is. it is. You know, or indirect costs are a dirty word, but we're like, you know, we're here helping healthcare workers, you know, be able to get their patients to their clinic. Um, do you think, like, you know, with a free ride from Uber... Like, the clinic needs to be trained to use that free ride system. The clinic needs to be troubleshooting. The clinic needs best practices. Like, who's going to pay for that? And donors, even in the traditional sense, don't like hearing that their dollars are going to staff time. So, um, you know, it's that's where you really have to have your talking points ready to have them understand – um, and those that want to work with you are going to work through it with you. So, and you're not going to get everyone. You're going to lose, like we lost, um, you weren't here earlier, but Tandy was talking about even an NFT project that didn't understand why we didn't want to accept the NFT directly. Um, and we wanted the NFT project to sell it for us and send us to crypto through a giving block. And we had to turn them down. It was like, I think it was close to $30,000 donation. And we had, because they did not understand, the, this was the Web3 group of why. And so I think that's Mm. just to let you know that across nonprofit work, it's an ongoing thing we have to do. And that's where you, like, I think Tandy mentioned it, the storytelling is so important. So what we did actually, I remember Tandy and I had a FUD talk. We were like, okay, what is going to happen when people FUD? We created a video and we had a slide deck that if anyone FUDded, we sent them the link to that. Like, Hey, these are health workers talking about what we do. Hey, here's a slide deck that has metrics, you know, of, Are impacting what we do with each of the dollars. So we actually had our FUD response on the ready um, for when people did ask, you know, oh, how much of this is going to overhead? Oh, you know, people are 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 skeptical. Uh, But it's that's why you know you have the authentic conversations. People will will work through it with you. But I think Tandy gave you the best advice, which is wear your story on your sleeve, wear your heart on the sleeve keep a kind of a, a shell because there are going to be people that are going to hate and are going to doubt you no matter what. Sure. Um, and sure, so you sure, just have sure. to factor that a little bit. That that's no. Yeah. And
4: again, down. like, no, I, I, I get that. And again, it uh, was interesting. Again, I'm, I'm a, I've been saying this about the web three space for, or like the this current NFT landscape for the last, like, I, I've been saying this for the last 36 hours, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dude, I, 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 am not kidding you. I honestly think given the Lance until like there, there's some sort of regulation in the space, like it's going to be, it's going to be a, a big mess for a while. Um, and it has to mm-hmm. be like, it has to get re- regulated at some point to kind of, pr- again, protect buyer, buyer confidence at the end of the day. Like when you buy a stock or whatever, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm fine with buying that. Cause I'm kind of protected in, in certain aspects. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's interesting that this community right now, and it's like, it's, and I, and I do believe this very, very strongly now where I think the NFT space uh, as it exists is this case of reverse Robin Hood, right? Mm. Where you have a lot of people who understand the technology, right? Or, or the devs who do the technology, do the smart contracts and all that. Then you have the investors who understand like, oh, this is going to make some cash, right? Um, so it's a, they're, they're okay with it being a rug pull project because guess who wins? The people who understand it, Right. So it is truly a reverse Hood situation where you have like buyers, normal buyers, like middle-class people who buy these things because there's like, I mean, same thing as the altcoins coins or shit coins, right? Where it's like, Oh, I'm going to buy this and maybe I get rich. But what happens is it's a zero sum game because all the people who know about the project that have money and who are smart about the technology will buy all the way at the bottom of it. Right. And then as it starts picking up and, and having momentum, then these people who do hold most 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 of the liquidity or whatever they sell all of what they have at the top, so everyone just loses, right? So it is it is yeah. a zero sum game in that sense. So what's interesting is the NFT space is 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 a contradicted is a contradiction of itself because a lot of people in the Twitter spaces claim that Web three is transparent. It, it's it's caring, right? It's 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 creating access and equ uh and uh, more making things more equitable. But if you really look really close on how people have conversations in the space, when it actually comes down to brass tacks, they're not. And that's the unfortunate thing.
0: Well, yeah, and, and one of the things that we hope to do with our series, so if you'll, we'll be having a series of interviews with kind of the what I call the new class of philanthropists. Um, oh, I new like donors. that. The new donors, um, we're looking to understand them because they are different. They are care about different things, and so it's it's something that you know uh, we can explore. We're gonna exploring. When we we have the the ability to anti full time jobs at a nonprofit. We think it's such an exciting space and to engage people like you, because you're you're kind of you're you're not within a charity, but you are looking to build your film philanthropy muscle, your social impact muscle through yeah. web three. And yeah, so we're really exactly. excited to explore that explore that more um with folks like you.
4: You know, absolutely. And like because like so I, I've been volunteering with, with with nonprofits for the last like six, seven years, and I've just like for whatever reason, I'm like my heart has always gravitated to volunteer and like give just just help, mm-hmm. you know, just give my time, give my talent, and I think what's interesting is all this thing, all this stuff has come so full circle because I was wondering how. To, I mean, at the end of the day, like my narrative, right, and my story. How do I give back to a promise I made to my mom when she passed away from cancer? Because I told her, that, or or after she passed, I made a promise to myself and her really. That by the time I'm get I'm dead or long gone or close to dying, cancer is going just going to be significantly easier to deal with for people, uh, because she was a low She was she was a single mother of three, um, low income, like like all this stuff. Like I had to go drop off my siblings, pick them up, take care of them while she was working, while she was sick actually. So it was all this stuff, and and it's interesting how all that has come full circle. Where I'm eventually just I just keep falling back into philanthropy in some in, in some cases or in a lot of cases. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I appreciate you guys, you know, ha- holding the space and, and, uh, you know, really trying to engage in this conversation. And I think w- what actually makes it a lot more powerful too, when you guys really kick this off and I'd love to be a part of it and, and definitely include me like when you guys have those, cause th- this sounds great. Um, but it's like talking to, you know, like those crypto whales and like, Hey, like, what do you actually really care about? Right? Like what would get you to buy a project? Because at the end of the day, what's interesting is I've been in a few Twitter spaces where in clubhouses where they're like, Yeah, like a lot of the people who actually do have cri- like money, like the crypto whales who've collected, uh, they're like, Yeah, like all these projects are like, definitely cash grab projects. And I, I always wonder with the, it, from them, right, like where are the projects that actually have a little bit more story and heart to it? And there's not many that really kind of surface because, mm-hmm. well, that's just not the, it, the the environment isn't set up for them to succeed in that sense, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Absolutely. No, and that's why I'm thankful to have my co-host, Tandy. So I kind of lean towards, I'm the CEO of the charity, and what does it mean for a charity to actually engage authentically with the NFT world? But we got Tandy who has plenty of whale friends and um, oh he knows then tandy knows tandy knows right tandy we're lucky to have you bringing the nft alpha of what are these people thinking and maybe that's the last little tidbit here of the the show today and then we can knock knock off i think
4: oh yeah a great
0: conversation no 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 worries you're all good you're all good tandy but that's a good any last um tips for us about talking to to large nft whales or crypto whales
1: well i think it's like starting a relationship with anybody um Uh, You kind of alluded to it earlier. You can't just go in and start asking for things. That doesn't work in real relationships and doesn't work in digital relationships. Um, First and foremost, you have to show interest. You have to get involved. And when you do such a thing and you create like a footprint in these different communities, it's when you can finally then start to ask for things, I'd say. The only time that you can go in and ask for things without such a Without, without such a um, footprint, let's say, inside of one of these communities, is when you have that um, – what would you call it, the Joe? Clout, Kind of The clout. The clout. Right, but it, but it's like the third-party clout. clout. It's yeah, the third-party like, clout.
0: Yeah, because if, if you have Christie's or Sotheby's on your side, I know there was like a sellout because Shaq was involved and Shaq made the NFTs. And so Shaq jumped on the spaces and, of course, then the big – Whales want to be affiliated with a shack, right? So yeah. I think, Tandy, that's what you're referring to. Is that either you have to spend the time and energy to build the relationships, or the shortcut is get a um, third party that the whales care about being affiliated with and want to be shouted yeah. out by. Uh, that's the that's the shortcut, I think.
1: And but uh, but of course, someone listening to this might say, "Okay, well, I can't get Sotheby's or Christie's to to like give me clout. Now what?" And I I think the answer is that uh, it's just a little bit longer of a road. But if you find people who have a decent following who you can connect with based on a shared project that you're in or just based on you get lucky and they respond to your DMs and they're willing to chat with you for a bit, like that stuff does happen. I've had projects reach out to me just because I have – I mean my following isn't that crazy. I think I have like 3,000 followers. I'm not a huge Twitter account. But I cover NBA Top Shot and I know a lot about like, different NFT communities. So, so sometimes groups or projects reach out to me. And it's like I'm willing to listen to people and have a conversation. And I know that I'm not the only one. So I really think it's about just putting in that work and figuring out your story um, and, and just trying to get clout in, in that normal and natural way. In resiliency, I think you got that, cool cats, crypto
0: kids. It's got to be. Oh yeah. Resilient.
4: So, so my, uh... I,
0: you, you hear no, but you've got the resiliency story already, and you got to tap into that because mm. the, at times it does get hard. And I'll tell right. you, you have to, you have to get to a hundred no's before you get the yes. Right. Um, right. No. Absolutely. And so you got to have that, and that's something in the nonprofit world. If again, uh, either you have to find someone who's willing to to mm-hmm. do that, or you have to um, you know, build that resiliency yourself of knowing that you're going to get hate. You're going to, even for trying to
4: help people, it's crazy, but it it does, it does happen. Um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I appreciate that. No, I know I get that. I mean, I, I've been doing entrepreneur stuff and like startup stuff like years as well. So like, I get that, but it's always interesting when you, when you really kind of jump into it. Um, so yeah, so, so, oh, my, my name is Jay, by the way, just so you guys I, know. I By the way, we're fully doxed on our project, so like, yeah, exactly who we are. Thank, um, oh, thanks,
0: Jay. It was great to have you jump on, and I wish you a lot of luck on your project. Check into our spaces. You can see we're small but growing. But there is a growing group of nonprofits and charities that are kind of banding together, sharing tips, commiserating with what works and what doesn't. And so we right. would welcome you into that community, of uh, folks, because um, while I think a lot of NFT projects feel zero-sum, most charity work we see it as grow the pie and we're seeing right exactly exactly yeah absolutely well but thank you jay it's great to have you jay, we do have another requested um sure. person that would like to speak um
4: i don't know yeah we have um,
1: yeah. Ker- Kerwin who would like to speak but it looks like there was an error let me let me try to oh and in my terms... uh,
4: one of one of uh one of our our, our advisors and friends cool crypto kids is in the in the rooms oh, with us are welcome <laughs> very welcome Hey, Caroline. How are you? And
0: uh, Kerwin, you're here, Kerwin. Uh, we're talking NFTs and philanthropy, crypto altruism, things of that nature. What Do you have a question for us? We just recorded a whole show. It'll be available on podcast later. Do you have any questions or any... You want to tell us about the social impact and NFT work you're doing? Feel free to tell us about it.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm excited to share with you a platform that I'm a community leader for. It's called Doing Good. Uh, they... Make it easy for people to purchase NFTs on their marketplace and split uh, amongst minimum five percent to some sort of social impact organization.
0: Welcome, Kerwin James. You're part of Doing Good, right? You're a nonprofit on the Doing Good platform, I believe. I don't know, if James. I know you're you're here. Um, but Kerwin, can you tell me a little bit about? Oh, James, do you want to tell us a little bit about what it's like? Um, being? This is a platform I know I've heard of, but I don't know much about it. Um, but it seems like it's a part of this NFT and philanthropy space. Can you tell us a little bit about that Doing Good platform?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a terrific new venture. And I think one of the really um, great characteristics of it, and it goes to the points you were making about transparency earlier, is that any creator, any artist on the site, selects up front what percentage of the proceeds is going to go to their charity or cause of choice. And that's all transparent on the blockchain. And, and so you could, as an artist, I think have to give a minimum of 5% um, to a charitable cause for proceeds from the sale of your NFTs, but it could go all the way up to 100%. And uh, that level of transparency gives uh, purchasers of the NFTs sort of the new web three donors a way to feel confident that their resources are, are ultimately going to serve the social impact that they want to see in the world.
0: Thanks for sharing about that, James. It sounds like another growing part of the ecosystem. Um, you know, I, I see them popping up here and there. So it sounds like it's a platform for the sale of NFTs where you can transparently put a percentage of it um, to charity. Did we get that right, Kerwin? Is that's, the kind of doing good uh, model is that you accept artists and projects that can put their NFTs on there. And when they're sold a uh, transparently a percent will go to the, the nonprofit. Is that everyone, kind of how it works?
2: Yeah. Another exciting feature is just the amount of ways that you can split the proceeds from the NFT sale. Like if you had a whole orchestra playing in a, in a recording, you could split it up amongst them and, um, you know, set a lot of cool rules with how you want to uh, distribute the funds. Mm. Well,
0: I mean, I'm just always excited to hear new new ways of doing this, new ways to engage nonprofits uh, to, to figure out how to do it. And my one question for you would be one of the things we're interested in. We're, we're thinking about, you know, how we might engage with artists in the coming year. Um, do you have any insights on how royalties could work because one of the things we know we don't know if it's real or just um, you know hype is this idea of if an nFT gets resold a percentage could go back to the nonprofit as well uh, Do you know anything about that? Does your platform have that capability
2: yeah, I have a
0: I think we lost Kerwin there. Tandy, are you still there? Did we lose the audio
2: yeah, there? I, and I can speak to that. Um, okay, James, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's baked in also. So the creator can assign a, a percentage for the initial proceeds and then a, percentage, a separate percentage for uh, royalties for secondary market sales.
0: Yeah, so still so much to explore. So thanks, Kerwin, jumping on and tell us a little bit about doing good. So I think we can we can end things here. We're just about at, at the the end of the workday here, but um, I want to thank Tandy, my co-host as well from Sustento, Sarah from Sustento, who's uh, moderating and helping uh, record and put this up on a podcast later. Uh, We'll have a number of uh, guests of artists, collectors, influencers um, who helped us raise our 130,000 last year. And we're going to bring them on. We're going to do a 60 minute in-depth interview with these kind of new class of philanthropists understand why do they give what's their rug to riches story. Um, and then we'll do Q and a with them. So I want to thank everybody uh, for joining us today. Thank you, James. Thank you, Kerwin. Uh, thank you everybody. I know there's a bunch of people that also spoke the friends of bonobos, the cool kids charity project, uh, child fund, New Zealand, I believe. So a nice diverse group of, of folks jumping on. Um, so until next time, uh, you want to play the music one more time here at the end for us.
1: Sure, let me queue it up one second. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, All right, here we go.
0: I think that's it. Thanks everybody.